So uh, I shared with you last week that, that when I was thinking about December and the holidays a few months back, um, I kept kind of being led back in my own mind to some of the incredible life change that I encounter on a regular basis um, here at Lighthouse Church. And uh, I, I realize um, oftentimes that, that um, many pastors go through their whole career without seeing the significant life change uh, that I get to see on a, almost a weekly basis, it seems, um, here at Lighthouse Church. Um, I also was, you know, kind of drawn um, back to some of the staff that, um, that I work with. We have an um, amazing staff of dedicated people um, here at Lighthouse Church, and um, some of them um, have uh, become Christians fairly recently and have had a pretty significant life change uh, themselves. Um, a few of them, pretty young, um, at least compared to me. And I've, uh, I've realized that um, God is working in their life in such a way that there's some you know, sense of you know, where might God want me within ministry or within the church, uh, because um, they're already doing ministry um, in many ways. And so um, I decided that I would use the month of December to introduce a few of them to you, uh, in case you had not met them yet. And so uh, last, last Sunday, uh, we met Aaron French, um, who's a peer support specialist on our staff. Next week, uh, you're going to meet um, a young lady uh, who I've actually known her whole life, Claire Bullish. She's down helping with our youth right now. Uh, but you'll, you'll meet her. Um, and today we're going to hear from Tony Gettler. And uh, my hope is that as we kind of approach Christmas, that they will help us wrestle with the joys and sometimes the struggles of the holiday season. Because for many in this church, uh, that's a very real thing. Um, I'm actually going to wrap up uh, this series um, on Christmas Day. So I'm going to kind of tackle the same uh, subjects that they've tackled uh, these few weeks, uh, as we've heard from them. And uh, here is what I asked them to share about. I asked uh, Tony to think a little bit about what the holidays meant to him as growing, when he was growing up. Uh, what brought you here to this place in this time of your life? And what does this season of Christmas mean to you now? And so I'm um, very excited for you to um, meet and hear from Tony. He's been a peer support specialist here at Lighthouse Church for a little over a year. Um, does an excellent job, and it's been a joy to watch uh, what God has been doing in his life over the last, well, number of years, actually. So uh, come on up, Tony. And uh, just like I did last week, I'm going to ask everybody uh, to smile at Tony and, and make nice with him because it's a little bit of an intimidating thing uh, to be asked to not only come and speak to you, uh, to speak to the people who are watching, not to make you nervous, um, but, um, but, also, um, but also to be as transparent as Tony is going to be with us today. So um, I know that uh, they appreciate it, and thank you. God bless you, my friend. All right, thank yeah. you. Good morning. 
I forgot to tell you. I don't know why I made coffee this morning. The anxiety is keeping me going all day. <laughs> Good morning. My name is Tony. As Dale said, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. Uh, and I wanted to thank everyone for the opportunity to come up here and to share my story. And related to Christ. Um, in the Lighthouse spirit, I wanted to open up with a joke. <laughs> so does anybody know what Adam said the day before Christmas? It's Christmas Eve. <laughs> okay, one more, one more. So little Johnny tells his mother, you can take the train, out, train set off my Christmas wish list. His mother asks him, well, why is that? And he tells her, because I found one in your closet yesterday. Uh, so now I can finally stop giving you jokes to give on Sunday. <laughs> okay. So I wanted to also share with you guys one of my favorite prayers, and it can get kind of long-winded. God help. That's it. When I think of Christmas, I don't think of gifts or lights, or time to spend with family, I find more anxiety than anything. I grew up in a home where mom drank a lot, dad was a thousand miles away, and I had an abusive stepfather. When I think of the holiday season growing up, I think of the pep talks we got on, on the way out to my grandparents' house. You don't need to talk about what goes on at home. You don't need to talk about getting kicked out of school, or this, that, or the other thing. We, we very much kept up a mask. We don't need to share about anything going on at my home because my mom felt a lot of shame about what was going on at home and the, the life she had, she had built. Uh, a deep shame that I would come to know very well. I think about walking in the front door and my grandfather reminding me that men don't hug and he would offer a firm shake. <clears throat> I think about how happy my cousins were spending time with family and all the good things that they were able to share. And I remember being filled with resent. Why couldn't I live like them? Why did I have to go back to the abusive alcoholic home? I remember being asked what I have been up to and I remember the pep talk when I would be asked that, and it would repeat in my head. Don't talk about it. Just keep your mouth shut. And so I would just shrug my shoulders and tell them nothing, playing video games. I remember how we were the last ones to show up for Christmas and the first ones to leave every year. And this was true for all of the holidays that we came to. I don't know if you noticed, but there wasn't a lot of Jesus in the holidays growing up. I wasn't told that we celebrate Christmas because God gave his one and only son so that we could make it to heaven. As far as I was concerned, Christmas was about the presents and that was that. If I had to sum up the holidays as a child, I felt very restricted, like I needed to fit into a little normal box so that I could be accepted. I felt like I was unable to say or do anything because I would bring disappointment and shame to my family and that I would let them down 
Family holidays for me wasn't exciting or refreshing. When I think about it now, it looked more like religion versus relation. Uh, If you don't do this and don't do this and don't do that, then we'll love you. If you don't do this, don't do this, don't do that, then you can go to heaven. At a young age, I started drinking and using drugs. I became very distant around the time I was 16. I quit coming to the holiday functions. I got a job and realized that I could just work on the holidays. This was awesome to me. I was so grateful that McDonald's was open every day of the year. (laughs) It's it's where I worked. (laughs) Eventually, my drinking and drug habits got worse, and it was no longer about having fun, but about managing the day. Used to say I wasn't taking part in Bible studies or seeking spiritual guidance. In fact, up until the last couple of years, if you had asked me to pray for me, I would have told you that your God doesn't exist and your belief systems are silly. I didn't realize then, but I I didn't realize then, but what I was doing was trying to fill a God-sized hole with drugs, alcohol, and working too much. I was trying to put a square into a circle and it didn't fit and I did not fit. I did come to some holidays over the years. I never brought any gifts, but I usually had something to sneak into the bathroom so I could use and never turned down an alcoholic drink when it was offered. My grandma was always the peacekeeper between us and the one person that kept us all gathering together on the holidays. Like Christmas. In fact, the last time I, that I came to a uh, family holiday was about, in, until I came to recovery, was about six years ago on Thanksgiving. My grandma was on hospice, uh, and we all knew that she was, she was going to go. She had one more Thanksgiving, and she died that night. I know now that the Lord gave her one more holiday because she wasn't going to go without one anyways. <laughs> After this, I spiraled out of control, drinking more and more alcohol, doing more and more drugs, and would become a daily IV user. Primarily methamphetamine, but I did not discriminate my high. I'd use whatever's around. Jumping from town to town whenever I had a warrant. I would just move because I really didn't have anything tying me to that town. I worked dead-end jobs, and I didn't care about the people around me. I was just there for a good time. After some time, I found myself doing many things that have not passed the statute of limitations, so we're going to leave that out for now. (laughs) Just a couple more years. I got engaged to a woman... Uh, in Carrington and we had talked about quitting doing drugs see what I, what I didn't realize that when we detox her mental illnesses would, would surface and that it would be too much and she would commit suicide this was one of those pivotal moments in my life and not for the better um, I don't know what I did afterwards what I can tell you is that when I when I first slept, God came to me in a, in a very strange way. He came to me in a dream, and he would show me experience of my life that I hadn't lived yet. He would show me the first time I went to Prairie St. John's 
on a psychosis. He would show me my first night staying in Redemption Road. And he would show me the first time that I, that I worked with Pastor Dave when we were building a she shed. At the time, I didn't really know what the dreams meant. I, I knew two things. And that something bigger than me walked me through those things and that they were real. And I also couldn't tell anyone because I was living in a trap house and they would cut me off. <laughs> so, so I took God and I put him in, back into that box and I, I did not talk about it. I didn't share about it. And I really wasn't interested in diving into it. <laughs> what I didn't know then that I know, know now is the answer to those questions is stated clearly in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. So here God is trying to show me his plan for my life, but I was not ready to listen or to be open-minded to his plans. I eventually disregarded that dream and told myself that it was just that, that I had done some bad drugs, that made me dream some strange stuff, that it was my imagination. I continued to do all the things I had been doing and landed in Fargo. A friend tried to help me, but that ended quickly enough. Went to jail a few more times for some short sentences, found myself with nowhere to stay when I was released and was walking around downtown Fargo. It started to rain, and then I realized that it was Sunday. Um, if you go down Broadway and you're heading north downtown, there's two churches right next to each other across the street. On the left, there's a Lutheran church, and on the right, there's a Catholic church. To this day, I don't know which one I dipped into. <laughs> Here's what I know. I walked in, there was people in suits, and women were wearing dresses with, with something on their head, all of them. There was a preacher speaking in a language that was not English. I thought it was very strange, but I didn't care because it was warm and it was dry. So I dipped into the back and I sat down. I slouched back and I leaned over so that I could go to sleep. And there was a feeling from, from inside my chest about where your heart would be. It was, it was so overwhelming. And I could feel like a, like a spiritual emotion, if you will, leaving my body. Now at the time, I don't, I don't believe in God yet. So for me to, to, physical, to, to feel this physical, tangible feeling leaving me, I'm like, what is going on? I pretty much chopped it up to, to all the pain, the resent, the grief, the shame, the guilt, the anger. God took that. I believed that I had just encountered grace and I had nothing but to just sit there and accept it and receive it. I just sat there and I wept. I remember that all I could feel was good. I slept there for the rest of the day, and they eventually told me I needed to leave. I was still homeless. So when I did leave, I was walking around Fargo again, and I ended up at Rick's Bar. 
not to drink. I didn't have any money. Um, but because it was dry there, just like the church. Uh, I eventually was escorted by an officer to the New Life Center, and that would be the first time that I would stay there, the first time I would stay at a homeless shelter here in town. That, that homeless shelter, the New Life, would be a, a pivotal part of my story. <clears throat> See, it's through the New Life Center, the, the shuttle that goes there every Sunday at 9 a.m., that I would first come to Lighthouse Church. I didn't want to come here, but a friend of mine, Jimmy, had convinced me by telling me that you could get out of the shelter for an hour. <laughs> Sold. So I did. I came here, and I, I didn't. I would love to tell you that my life was changed radically right then and there, uh, and that I came to the Lord, and it was all mashed potatoes and gravy after that, but it wasn't. I came one time, and I went out for another couple of rounds with my addiction. About a, a year later, I lived through the first thing that God had showed me in that dream. I went to Prairie St. John's in a psychosis. And then after getting treatment a few different times, I got a better redemption road. I would get to know Pastor Dave and would experience the other experiences from that dream. And by the time I lived through the last one, it didn't even faze me anymore. I was no longer freaked out. I would actually just feel a little warm feeling in my heart and look up and smile. Thanks, God. Shortly after living at Redemption Road, Dave and I had some spiritual talks. He taught me the basics, that spiritual baby food that I so desperately needed. God loves you. Jesus died on the cross so that you could be forgiven. As I started getting involved in my recovery, I found... I found myself going to more and more meetings at Lighthouse. I found myself less interested in the groups and more interested in the God side. You might be wondering what the point of, of all this is by now, so let's open our Bibles for a minute to Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. And I will patiently wait. <laughs> oh, yes, Church Bibles is 977. And if you have a recovery Bible, it's page 1511. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. 
I wanted to be clear on this, and I feel like the scripture hits it dead on. The life that I have received today is a gift from God. I did not earn it. I don't deserve it. All I did was receive it. My gift was free, and my gift was freedom. We have a Father in heaven who doesn't want to doesn't want us to hide who we are. We don't need to put a mask on around anyone. We don't need to be ashamed of where we have been or what we have done. We are free. The hardest thing that we need to do is believe in the gospel. In Matthew eleven twenty nine through thirty, Jesus says, "Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden is light. But the burden I give you is light." Jesus doesn't want us to feel like we need to fit into a box. In fact, God has been break, breaking out of that box since the beginning of time. He doesn't want us to feel like we need to restrict who we are. He wants us to be free. He only wants us to follow him, to be willing to surrender, and to be teachable. If we just focus on the person of Jesus, who he was, how he spoke, and how he acted, we will have that gift. I found out right here at Lighthouse. I never realized what the connection was that I felt to this building or to the people who come here. I just knew that it attracted me. I recently discovered what that attraction is. I have a family here. I recently started dating for the first time. Can we all look back at the PowerPoint and wave to that lovely lady? I was really nervous to bring her here um, because of the experiences that I've had in the beginning with my family and how you don't, you don't open up, you put a mask on and you act right. What I hadn't realized is, is the freedom that I have here at Lighthouse and, and really what family is, how welcoming, how inclusive, and how loving it is. When I brought her here, it was about the third time Beth ran up to go talk to her because she wanted to get her involved in service. And she, she very quickly started talking to Ro- Ross, not Rod. <laughs> I have, I have friends here that, that only wanted to get her as involved in the church as I have because they wanted to get to know her, kind of like God wants to get to know me. I quite literally saw the love of Christ in action. This right here is the family and the freedom I had been missing all along. Now in closing, I would like to challenge everyone after this last song Turn to the person next to you and share with them how God has given you freedom. Thank you. Thank you, um, Tony. Um, that, was, that was great. Um, can I just, uh, just share really quick that, um, you know, Tony's story... Um, it, you know, there's some unique parts about it, but that story has been kind of played out again and again at Lighthouse. And if you are someone who is searching for um, community and support and family, that, that, that idea of discovering something 
um, that you were missing when you were growing up. That's a pretty profound message for all of us here to hear. Um, shouldn't have taken Callie to get that figured out for you, but, <laughs> but, uh, but that's okay. We're slow learners. Yeah, we're slow learners. Um, I want to just offer a challenge. Tony asked us to kind of share after church with somebody something about the freedom that we've encountered. And um, I also wanted to just challenge uh, people to, um, you know, kind of go forth with this idea that, that for many, many people in our world, um, this is a difficult season. And, um, you know, if, you, if, if it's not for you this year, I just want to encourage you to maybe find somebody for who it is and, and spend a little time with them and encourage them in their journey. And uh, if it is a difficult time, I'm just going to challenge you to find somebody to talk to about that. Uh, because, um, you know, the reason why Jesus came is because God knows that this can be tough, this life that we live. And he wants to be with us in it. So um, God bless you. Thank you again uh, for sharing. and.